Welcome to Flowcast, a ministry of the Dominican Sisters of Springfield, Illinois. I'm your host, Jeremiah Washington, and with us today are sisters Judith Fowl, Phyllis Schink, and Barbara Blessy. Welcome, sisters. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremiah. You're welcome. It's good to be with you today. I'm going to stay out of the way and invite the sisters to share their wisdom, grown from decades of caring for God's people. First, some quick introductions. Sister Judith, or best known as Sister Judy, is well known to folks as St. Joseph's The Worker Parish in Chatham, Illinois, where she has served since 2006. Do I have that right, Sister Judy? You do have that right, Jeremiah. Okay. And for those who are, may be watching this, I also want to know, I was also known as Sister Donna Marie. So others that might watch it from knew me earlier, uh, I, that was my name given to me when I became a religious, but then I changed to my given name, Sister Judith. Oh, okay. I never knew that till now. So, wow, that's the more you know. Sister Phyllis has the distinction of being the first non-ordained pastoral leader in a parish in the Diocese of Springfield. In 1986, she was named pastoral administrator at St. Mary Parish in St. Marie, Illinois, and has served in pastoral roles almost nonstop ever since. Where are you now, Sister Phyllis? Right now I'm in Carterville, Holy Spirit Parish, in Carterville, Illinois, close to Carbondale. And right before that, she was in Decatur, or near Decatur at Eliopolis. What was that, Resurrection Parish? Right. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want the Illinois hearers to miss that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that, Sister Barbara Blessy. And on top of that, you are next <laughs> to be introduced. Sister Barbara Blessy, meanwhile, has extensive experience in high school and college campus ministry, and is just starting out as a parish minister at St. Francis Xavier Church in Carbondale, Illinois. Where were you a campus minister, Sister Barbara? I was campus minister for nearly 10 years at our own school in Chicago Heights, Marion Catholic High School. And that's where I became campus minister for the first time. I started the first um, campus ministry program there. And then I also um, spent five years in college campus ministry at Siena Heights University in Adrian, Michigan with the Adrian Dominicans. Welcome to you all. You have much more understanding of pastoral ministry than I do. So I'm going to listen in as you talk together. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear just what pastoral ministry is and how each of you came to that type of ministry. I'd also like to know some of the joys and challenges you face and perhaps hear a story from each of you about your most powerful experiences as you accompany God's people in all the ways you do. How does that sound? What if I start um, and just talk about what pastoral ministry means? You know, every parish is required to have uh, two councils, a pastoral council and a finance council. Finance council takes care of the, the finances of the parish. 
the nuts and bolts, the, the uh, furnaces, the parking lots, that kind of thing. But pastoral council takes care of the parish spiritually. Uh, the word pastoral means care of the flock. And so pastoral ministry is all about caring for the flock. Um, I had a pastoral council meeting last night. And at the end of our agenda, they, I always give a report. So my report last night was for them to help me. What does it mean to them that I am a pastoral minister in their parish? Uh, and <laughs> I had to laugh at some of their responses. They said, you're the one that keeps us all together. If we're if this is care of the flock, you're the herder of the flock. <laughs> when I've never heard that before, <laughs> but that was their take, that the pastoral ministry keeps them safe and sound. Um, one of the things um, that I really liked, the pastoral minister is the one with the positive outlook, maybe because we're connected to Jesus Christ <laughs> in our ministry, but with, the pastoral, with a, a positive outlook. Um, and one of them said, you are the one that follows through on our suggestions. Ah, pastoral ministry says that everybody has the wisdom and that they need to make suggestions and we'll be the best we can be when everybody shares their own wisdom. Pastoral ministry now, like you, you Sister Phyllis, are the pastoral leader of the parish. Whereas I am pastoral associate in the parish where I work, St. Joseph the Worker in Chatham. And we do have our pastor, Father Joe. And so my position is to assist the pastor in leading the parish. And as you said, suggested, following with ideas from pastoral council, but also quite a few responsibilities in helping to carry out the pastoral ministry in the parish. It's kind of like an assistant. Mm -hmm. right. But I enjoy it very much. And, you know, I've been there um, before. I, I've been pastoral ministry. I started in 1998, part-time. But I also was in education at the time, and I just felt the call to be more involved in pastoral ministry. So I left there, went on to another parish for six years as outreach minister, which was also forms of pastoral ministry, and then was invited to uh, a new position in Chatham. It was the first time that they had a, were looking for someone in pastoral ministry. So I've been very happy serving there since uh, 2006. So I'm in my 16th year now. Um, this is uh, Barbara. I, um, I'm also a pastoral associate, as Sister Judy is, so I work with the parish priest. He's the official leader, I guess you would say, and we work together um, to do whatever is needed in the parish at the moment. And I have to say that it was when I was doing high school and college campus ministry that I learned a lot about uh, involving the people in the work that I was doing and helping them to see that they too had a piece of the truth, but they also had the creative skills and abilities to be a part of what I was about. Um, sometimes it was just, I was exhausted with, especially in the high school campus ministry, I was running 
six Kairos retreats a year. And if anybody's ever been on one of those, they know there's, you know, tons of details. And one of the things I was doing at the end of every year was I was making a scrapbook of um, the photos uh, of each of the six Kairos retreats and putting them all into uh, the scrapbook for the year. And I have to tell you, I got about two or three years behind in that. And I thought, you know, this is just nuts. So I asked one of um, the young people, I said, is there any way that you could help me with this? Here's all the pictures for this year and all the pictures for the next year and so on. And I handed it over to this person and they came back with the most beautiful scrapbooks, honestly. It was, they were, you know, decorated and all that, but I would have not, I would have never been able to do that myself. But I was in need of help. And so I invited them to uh, to give of their time and their talent to do it. And they enjoyed it, you know, because they were able to share their creativity. But, I, you know, and it wasn't just in scrapbooking that I allowed the people to be a part of it. You know, the preaching, the prayer service, um, you know, I would coach people how to be Eucharistic ministers, um, lectors at mass and all of that sort of thing. That was just very life-giving for um the folks I was dealing with and also myself. Uh, I especially loved the retreats, the Kairos retreats I had for each of the retreats. They were male retreats and female retreats for each of those. I had um, six adults of the same um, you know, persuasion, male or female, and also the priests in the area would help us out. So I was the one that got to kind of be the ringleader and pull them together on the team and uh, help them to decide which jobs they were going to do, which talks they were going to give, uh, that sort of thing. And, and we had a wonderful um, experience of that. And then we pulled in um, the teenagers and some of the teenagers were also the members of the team. So um, it was very messy and it was took a lot of time to work in a collaborative kind of way. But in the end, it was so full of life and enriching that it's kind of, you know, the ideal, I think, of how to do pastoral ministry wherever you are. Sister Barbara Blessy, what is a Kairos retreat? Well, a Kairos retreat was once described to me as a Cadillac of retreats for teenagers, and it truly is. Um, it's a retreat that involves the faculty, staff, and administrative people in a high school setting, a Catholic high school, plus a few of their students who become the leaders of the retreat. So in the end, there's the mixture of um, adults and teenagers, and we have about 10 people on the team. Um, that word kairos means, it's a Greek word for um, the special moment in time when God touches your life. You also mentioned a catechist. What is a catechist? A catechist is just another churchy kind of name for a teacher. Um, when you talk about what you are handing over to children or adults, even you're teaching them, and that's a word, um, the word catechesis is what it is you're teaching. And then the catechist is the one who is teaching it. Sister Barbara, earlier, you were mentioning and throughout so many people help you and they do help each of us in our pastoral ministry. We have many volunteers in the parish and we 
could not do it without them. They're all God's people serving each other in the church, and they're just a big part of our ministries also. Um, I, As pastoral associate, I, I do have a lot of responsibilities. We're a very active parish, but I would say probably two of the most important are ministry of care and ministry of consolation. Ministry of care is visiting the sick in the hospitals, the homebounds, taking them communion, being there to support them and their caregivers. And ministry of consolation is to assist families at the time of a death of their loved one and to meet with the families, helping them to plan the, the mass, the liturgies, helping at the do services at the funeral home for the prayer service and also uh, at the cemetery for the burials. So those are ones that really do touch my heart. Many other areas I do oversee in the activities that we do do at the parish. Another way as pastoral associate, I help with annulments in helping people who need to, um, they've been divorced and they want to get back and have their marriages taken care of. So that's a, another important part and a challenging part to help them and pray for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and helping them to get their annulments. So those are some of the ways that, that I do help. I find that powerful too, to be able to walk with people through annulment work. Sometimes even spiritual direction, or maybe it's not a formal spiritual direction, but but those skills that come from spiritual direction are transferable in other ways. Uh, um, I, I find RCIA just powerful. Um, both children's RCIA and, and adult RCIA. Can you just explain RCIA, Sister Phyllis? Yes. It's that process that uh, a person goes through who wants to join the faith. Um, so that when they make their commitment, uh, when they're baptized or um, make a profession at the Easter Vigil, they actually have a sense of what they're committing to. Uh, one of my favorite memories was um, I had two children wanting to join the church, a sixth grader and a second grader. And so after school, uh, their classmates would come and be the team for that children's RCIA. Uh, that was just a happy memory. What do the letters stand for? Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. And the same process is used for children. Uh, it's still called Rite of Initiation for Adults. Good question, Judy. I also am involved in an RCIA and um, it's a combination of people from our parish who are interested in becoming Catholic and those people who are connected somehow to the university in town, uh, Southern Illinois University has a Newman Center and many people come there for uh, church, but um, we have a partnership with the two. Uh, our, our pastor is the chaplain also at the Newman Center. So we are able to um, come together in the RCIA program. And we have quite a lively group this year. We have nine people that are um, looking to become full um, 
Catholics, and um, they are just very faithful in their attendance. And no matter what the topic is that we're talking about, they have lots of questions. And it's been quite a joy this year to uh, to meet with them. But it's that partnership too, and with regard to the RCIA, um, that I that I enjoy as well. If, if we are followers of the gospel with our pastoral work, it, it automatically takes us to the people on the margins because that's where the gospel leads us. Last, last well, this year yet, we had a young man from a group home who said, what do I have to do to get baptized? And so I said, Lavelle, um, why do you want to be baptized? And he said, because I want God to be a part of my life. Now, I have never got a, a better answer than that. <laughs> Why do you want to be baptized? So God will be a part of my life. I've had the experience where I am now that it's, it's a joy for me to be serving some of those that I previously taught in education in other parishes through my life. So that's, that's been special. And also, it, it's a joy for inviting and sponsoring some people in our parish to become Dominican associates. So connecting with our Dominican and then bringing them into the parish and help letting them to share what it is to be Dominican also. You know, Judy, as, as people share their lives with us, do you sometimes feel like you've lived a hundred lives because of the sharing the deep sharing that they do with us. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but that is true. You get to know them so well and yeah. and there's confidentiality in it too. When they share, you know, there's things that are personal to them and you hold in your own heart. Now there's also challenges <laughs> in pastoral ministry. And as, as you said, Sister Barbara, pandemic time was hard. You know, I wasn't among the people for a year and a half and trying to work from home and work from that laptop. It certainly isn't the same. I certainly missed being with the people and they missed seeing me there. So I felt very welcomed back too when we were able to get together. And as you said, some of our um, programs haven't fully started again yet, but we are getting back to them. We've had our Second stewardship committee meeting now. Pastoral council is back meeting again. And uh, so those things are good. We have a preschool. We do not have a school. We have a preschool. And so it's nice to see the children every day and, and give us the life in the parish, too, of the young ones. And then our, our large um, faith formation program for our grade school children. Another challenge has been balancing ministry and home with all the responsibilities that I do really enjoy. It is hard to balance time there and time at home and a little time for relaxation. So those are a few of the challenges of pastoral ministry. Well, I, th I think there's all those human challenges, you know, when things don't go as you've planned. <laughs> Or, you know, the opposite of the coin is it's, there's great joy when things do flow just the way you had it in mind. But there's also the challenge of communication and miscommunication. 
you know, I had an incident just last weekend that just <laughs> took my breath away because I assumed a lot in this conversation and, and I should have been a lot more specific and a lot, you know, but there's a fine line between, I don't know what, uh, treating somebody as you would treat treat a student, you know, treat an adult as a student. But on the other hand, you really have to know, people really have to know what it is you mean. And, um, and I, I messed up in the communication somehow. Uh, and I just didn't know why. But anyway, all of that is a very human thing. It's been, you know, smoothed out. I've seen the person again, and we're all good. But um, it was just, yeah, the human thing of uh, of goofing up and yet uh, fixing it later. Sometimes too, Barb, I think, you know, when it's still so new, uh, it's more difficult. You know, as time goes on, you get to know another person's ways, their patterns. Uh, another thing in the parish, you get to know um, that they're all connected. <laughs> and you know, it, when you watch what you say about another person, <laughs> you get to know relationships uh, as time goes on. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of being pastoral. But what you said, Sister Barbara, being ready each day to be present for whatever the needs are, you never know what's going to come across your desk or meet you or someone else's needs. So you have to be ready to flow with whatever way you're needed that day and each day, each week, each month. And often it's the telephone or the doorbell that right. sets your day. <laughs> right, Barb? <laughs> that's, that's correct. <laughs> Phyllis and I, uh, I spent one summer with her in uh, St. Marie, and I always wanted to know at the beginning of the day exactly what was going to happen and how we had planned this out and what would we do. And she, she would say things to me like, well, I don't know. You know, the day hasn't started yet. The phone hasn't rung. The doorbell hasn't rung. You know, it's like... <laughs> And I was having a hard time living that way. But, you know, you adjust. And now I know what she's talking about. I once entered a ministry, too, that I felt like nothing was happening. You know, there, nobody needed me. And she said, oh, she said, the, the work will come. It, it'll show up. Don't worry. <laughs> and sure enough, it did. We've got a retreat coming up in our parish. And we wanted to do something on uh, discipleship. Well, We've got somebody right in our house that can do a retreat for discipleship. It's wonderful when we can work together. So Barb's going to do a retreat for us in March for discipleship for the whole parish. It's wonderful to be able to do that together. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just really enjoying accompanying one of our ministers who goes out and ministers to two of the facilities, Holly Brooks and South Park in Chatham, to see that joy and then to share that joy when coming back from helping the people. And the people are so appreciative of the ministry that he gives. And it's just been a, a real joy um, for him and for me and for God's people from the parish. 
When I took the training for, to be a procurator advocate for the annulment process, we were told that it's it's a, an example of the compassionate Christ reaching out to a, a person uh, and saying to them, now go on, live life fully. Uh, now that, that has been very meaningful for me uh, in that wonderful work. And annulment is when uh, a marriage breaks up and it's brought to the church to look at it um, and to say, it isn't saying it's your fault or your fault. You were to blame. It's not saying that at all. It's saying something essential was missing at the time of the bond uh, that made it impossible for that marriage to work out. Yes, and even though they have to really search back in their whole life, especially at the time of marriage, and have to go through all of that and look at those details, it is very hard for yes. a, a person to have to go through that. But in the end, it really is helpful and it has helped the annulment to be able to go through when they have been able to give those details yeah. that were so hurtful at that time, but right. to become a joy in living out the rest of their life. And so it helps them to make sense of why it, it didn't work. Uh, it also can bring about healing. It, a real goal for that process is healing. I was in education for um, 28 years. That's a combination of teaching, uh, 14 years of administration. Some of that was overlapping. I was also a grade school librarian for five years. So I, that's included in that education. But, you know, at, after the 28 years, I just felt my heart tug and I was being called to be involved more with adults and to help them through the parish in, in pastoral ministry. And I was, I've been very fortunate in my call to pastoral ministry because my first time I was invited by a priest to come back to a parish that I had formerly been in education and been a principal, but uh, he was a new pastor there and wanted some more pastoral ministry. So it would be part-time school and part-time uh, pastoral work. Well, it got to be much more involvement in school than it was in pastoral work. And I, I just really felt called to pastoral. So after two years, I, said that I think I, I need to move on. And uh, I, again, was fortunate. I moved on to another place where one of our sisters was leaving there. And I had also served there before and talked to the pastor and was able to begin six years of pastoral ministry there as an outreach minister. Um, I, we had a, a big homeless program. It was called PADS, a Public Action to Defend Shelter. And it was um, started, I think, in the Aurora area, but we also had it in, the, in Cary, Illinois. We had about 200 volunteers in that program. We uh, had the homeless on Monday nights overnight and fed them supper, breakfast, and gave them a lunch to take with them. And so that was a big part of my ministry there, but I also helped a big a program for ministry of care, going to all the 
hospitals and facilities in that area. So there were like 30 some ministers that went out to do that. So, and visiting hospitals and so on. So I was there six years and then uh, found out from Sister Corday that Father Franzen, Robert Franzen was looking for a pastoral person in Chatham. And so I went to talk to Father and so I've been there now, as I said before, 16 years and loving every minute of it. I was teaching religion in the high school at Marion and I had been teaching for about three years or so. And one day the principal sent every teacher in the school out to other schools. And she said, okay, spend the, the day away uh, with other schools and learn from them, figure out, you know, what they're doing, how they would, that would help us back at Marion. So that day I went to another high school and spent lots of time with the um, religious ed people there and also the campus ministry people. And it was a huge high school, similar in size to Marian Catholic. And when you think about pulling those, that like 1500 kids together for mass, you know, it either causes you to tremble a lot or uh, you try to figure out a way to do it. And the way this other school was doing it, I thought, oh, wow, you know, I, I think we could do that at Marion, you know, and I'm, I'm just a religion teacher at this point. So after a full day of talking to these people, I found out how we could do prayer services, how we could do mass, how we could do this, that, and the other. And um, so on my way home that day in the car, I was explaining to the other sisters who'd been in other departments, they weren't with me. And I was just explaining and kind of excited about, you know, how this could be done, how that could be done. And even have that done at Marion, which was such a huge school. And I don't know, they kind of tattled on me when <laughs> a few weeks later, the principal came to me and said, you know, you know, that school that you went to visit, and I heard you were pretty excited on the way home. And how about you do those things for Marion here? You start the campus ministry program. And it's like, really? So I spent a week or two just thinking about it and asking questions and all that, and finally said yes. And I have to tell you, uh, working with that age group and um, coordinating prayer services, mass, all of that, the retreats, um, over a period of 10 years, that was very life-giving and life-draining. Uh, it just took all my energy to do all that. But on the other hand, it filled me up with uh, God's presence and uh, kind of a sense that I had done something good in my life because of the way um, families were touched and individual students were touched by their experiences that I had organized. So um, it was an exciting time in my life. And then I ended up, as you all know, I was called to leadership for a little while and I spent 10 years there. And so when I had to find another job and I'm looking around, Sister Phyllis knew about this parish in Carbondale that needed a pastoral associate um, or who would be needing one <laughs> in the near future. And so I, I talked with the priest and um, it turned out that, you know, he was interested and I had skills that, that would be appropriate for this kind of position. A long time ago, when I was a very young sister, 
I had somebody in my life, another sister, who spent time with me and who listened to me very respectfully, loved me unconditionally, um, loved me in a way that never was judgmental. And it was at that time that I began to see that God could love me. And after that period of time, it was a couple of years, I went out on mission myself, but it was kind of like, I want to be like her when I grow up. I want to, um, I want to be that kind of person for others. I want to be a safe place where people can um, be in my presence and somehow then God can work through that interaction with that person to love them and to help them to feel loved. Um, and I hope that's happened over the years, but it's one of those things that draws me or has, it has always been in the back of my mind. I've always wanted to be like her when I grow up so that people in my presence can feel loved and appreciated and safe and not judged um, and encouraged in their giftedness. That's powerful, Barb. Um, you know, for all three of us, uh, we were in education. You know, and then at the end of, uh, or at some point in the year, we would hear from the mother house, are you happy where you're at? Do you need a change? We called it our happiness sheet. One year, they did it differently, and they said, would you be willing to serve in any of these ways? Well, I checked a lot of things. I, I might have gone to Peru. <laughs> I checked a lot of things, but I think I might have been the only one that checked work in a parish <laughs> because that's where I found myself that next year, working in a parish. Um, and then by the end of that first year, the priest saw in me something I didn't see in myself. Um, and he said, I think we should let you be the first leader of a parish without a resident priest. And I said, oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, then he brought it up again. And I thought, this is the biggest risk of my life. But I said, yes. And the whole council uh, asked the diocese if we could do it that way. Um, so this biggest risk in my life has turned out to be my biggest blessing. I have loved pastoral ministry. I have loved, um, you know, we took a class at CTU, Catholic Theological Union, about friendship in the moral life and how we grow in virtue through friendship. And um, pastoral, pastoral ministry for me has been the ideal place to grow in friendship because as we grow in friendship with one another, as we grow in virtue, we grow in friendship with God. So, so this greatest risk of my life has turned out to be my greatest blessing. How is it that you all, um, you know, separated yourself between, you know, as much work that comes with being a pastoral minister and just, you know, uh, downtime, like at home or, uh, you know, how did, how did you ease your mind from all that work that's some days jammed in? As Sister Judy pointed out earlier, it's really a challenge. 
And I also think it depends on how old you are <laughs> um, and where you are in life. You know, when I was younger, like during my Marian Catholic days, um, I was like a bionic woman in some ways. You know, I, I would work from seven in the morning until 11 at night. And I would do that day after day after day after day. And you look in the mirror and you just look horrible <laughs> after that, you know, because you're, um, but, you know, there were a lot of details to attend to. And I, I just, I loved what I was doing. And so I just kept at it. And I wasn't home much. I, my office was right next to the dining room. So I was home kind of physically, but, um, and it was a different a community life there. There were a lot of sisters at the beginning. And um, so it um, it was a challenge. But now as I've gotten older, someone once wisely said to me, now don't be taking work home, you know, give it all you've got during the day and try very, very hard not to bring work home at night so that you're not working all night long as well. Jeremiah, one of the ways that, that I just get away from any of the problems or struggles or busyness of the parish. I have a little garden <laughs> and that garden is a, an, an outlet for me. I don't have to bring any of my, my struggles for the day when I'm in the garden. And then I'm, um, I have something to give to the food pantry. <laughs> What's in my garden is more than I need. And it's such a delight to bring it to the pantry twice a week. That's just makes me happy, makes me happy. I also feel as Barb that, you know, as we get older, I, I can't spend as long in the garden as a time at the same time as I used to. However, this caring for God's earth, this caring for creation, I think there are plans where I will turn my garden over to our children in the PSR class. We have written a grant and we're planning to get a worm farm right next to my garden. We're gonna get uh, praying mantises that will help eat the bugs so we don't have to use chemicals. It's a way to just naturally teach our children how to care for God's earth. And then if they can do it as children, maybe it'll carry on into adulthood. Uh, anyway, that gives me energy. It's a wonderful way, Sister Phyllis, of bringing in about taking care of the earth. Pope Francis, the new encyclical, Laudate Si, um, which he's asking all of the world to take care of the earth. Great. I also like nature, and so that nature is really a soothing, relaxing to me. I also love to see deer, so sometimes I go out with another sister friend, and we just drive out to an area where there are deer and just enjoy seeing them. But mm -hmm. in my younger days and where I used to be, I, I walked paths through nature preserves and things. Mm -hmm. And that, that brings me joy and relaxation. Everyone, this was Flowcast. Thank you so much for listening in on our conversation that I had today with Sister Judith Fowl, Sister Phyllis Schenk, and Barbara Blessy. Thank you again very much. I hope this was something you all could learn from, uh, learn to unwind, enjoy, and do the things that you love in life. Uh, this is Flowcast once again, and stay blessed, everyone.